Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Lucy Hewitt, and her guest experts. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here is Lucy Hewitt. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy, nutritional therapist. And I'm Jeannie Schmidt, PharmD. Madeline's not going to be here on the show with us today. She's in California at a conference, and she'll be joining us back next week. We'd like to welcome you to our show today. You've seen the packages in the store. The chicken is labeled as natural chicken. You see eggs labeled as free-range, cage-free, or vegetarian-fed. And then you look and see a variety of drinks and beverages labeled as all-natural energy drinks. You might even notice everyone around you is talking about how they're now eating gluten-free. And maybe you wonder if that's something, something that you should be doing. You see, the bakery now has gluten-free muffins, gluten-free breads, gluten-free rolls, and maybe you even see gluten-free cookies and cakes. Are these gluten-free bakery products more healthy? Foods are labeled as fat-free, sugar-free, trans-fat-free, low-fat, heart-healthy, or dairy-free. Is your head spinning yet? And now, what is natural food? What do these labels really mean? And should you be eating these foods? And why are they labeled that way? What does it mean for you as a consumer and a person wanting to eat a healthy diet and live a healthy life? Well, that's our topic for today. We'll be sorting out all of these terms to help you navigate the grocery store and the health food store and maybe even the co-op. You'll be empowered to understand which foods are healthy and which ones look like they might be, but they are not. You'll leave with practical, useful food and health information to help you make better food choices. Now, today we're taking callers. And call in with your experience buying something that maybe you thought was going to be something healthy, and then you find out that it's not at all. And maybe you returned it to the store, maybe you threw it out, maybe you gave it to your neighbors, or maybe you ate it anyway. But call and let us know your experience with us. Call the number one 866 472 5791 Let's start with the discussion about gluten. First off, what is it? What is gluten? It's the name of a group of proteins found in barley, rye, but most notably wheat. It's also found in many, many processed foods as an additive or a filler. Now, understand that there are a few different issues with wheat and gluten. The the first is celiac disease, and we've seen a 400% increase in celiac disease in the last 60 years. That's since the 1950s. Now, that number is still low, affecting about 1 in 100 people. What's more, the Mayo Clinic has found a fourfold higher death risk for people with undiagnosed gluten intolerance. Many people believe there are lots of undiagnosed celiac people out there, so the number could be even higher. Now, people with celiac disease experience a severe reaction to gluten. Diarrhea and weight loss are the most common symptoms. These people cannot have any gluten at all, so finding foods labeled gluten-free is extremely important for them. Mm 
The other category of problems with gluten is people who experience food reactions from gluten. Reactions could be foggy thinking, rash, GI complaints such as gas and bloating and puffiness. None of those are life-threatening, but they definitely impose on the ability to have a good, healthy, and energetic life. That was two reasons. The third issue with gluten is that the new proteins were reintroduced into wheat in the 1950s. The 50s were when uh, they were practicing with genetic modification. They were just getting that started, and they genetically modified the wheat to produce higher yields. Those novel proteins could be responsible for the dramatic increase in celiac disease and food reactions. And when gluten goes through your digestive process, morphine-like compounds called gluteomorphins are created. And those gluteomorphins bind to the opiate receptors in your brain. This creates a response in the brain similar to that of heroin. Yes, and when you... When they bind to your brain receptors, they make you want to eat it again and again, making the wheat highly addictive. So ask yourself, what did you eat for breakfast? And how about lunch? And what about dinner last night? Did you have wheat in any of those meals? Maybe all of those meals? Most people have wheat in every single meal and snack. Now think what about what happens when you think about not having wheat anymore. So when you think, I'm not going to have wheat ever, ever again, what happens? Do you get panicky? That's a sign that this food has a hold on you. It's reacting in your brain to make you want it over and over and over again. In fact, food manufacturers know this. And they, then they add wheat and wheat derivatives to processed foods. You'll find gluten added to soups, sauces, seasonings, like think taco seasoning packets, candy, soy sauce, salad dressings, processed meats like sausages or deli meats, beer, and more. Food chemists add gluten and wheat derivatives to these foods because they know that it's addictive and they want you coming back for more and more. Okay, so let's jump back to the gluten-free issue. Now you can see why so many people have jumped on this bandwagon and they're looking for gluten-free products. So what's the problem with just loading up your grocery cart with these gluten-free items? The problem is you'll find all kinds of gluten-free processed foods, such as gluten-free breads, cookies, chips, pasta, muffins and pancakes, pretty much any bakery and bread product comes in a gluten-free version. But does that really sound healthy to you? Gluten-free cake? You know, no, it doesn't sound healthy to me. And I've seen gluten-free cake mixes and all kinds of mixes to make scones and muffins. And all of those are gluten-free. And they appear to be something that would be for somebody who wants to eat healthy. But the issue here is that these types of gluten-free products contain ingredients such as potato starch, rice flour, tapioca flour, cornstarch, maltodextrin, which is sugar, and many other stripped and processed flours, usually from grains. And these products are usually loaded with sugar, and they're even loaded with bad inflammatory fats. But they don't have gluten. 
<laughs> exactly. So that's how the manufacturers trick you. They know you're trying to eat healthy. So they make these gluten-free snack foods. They put the label on the front that says gluten-free, and that's what everyone's looking for these days. And they hope you don't realize that these foods are just as bad or even worse for you than gluten-containing foods. Well, so then are we saying that you shouldn't avoid gluten? No, not at all. We're saying that most people do much better with their health when they eliminate gluten from their diets for all different reasons, all the ones we talked about earlier. But please, please do not substitute these highly processed junk foods and think you're eating something healthy. Oh, I see. So if you do eliminate gluten from your diet, you should also get rid of the processed foods and focus on eating real whole foods, such as meat, fish, eggs, lots of veggies, some fruits, and some nuts and seeds, and some good fats. Yes, exactly. And what all that food has in common is that most of it doesn't even come in a package at all. So in the end, you really don't have to spend much time reading labels because those foods don't even have labels. So versus instead of thinking that you're going on a gluten-free diet, think you're going to decrease the amount of processed packaged foods that you're eating. And eating eating gluten-free might sound like a bummer, but you might be really surprised at how much variety you can have in a gluten-free diet. Exactly. It's it's actually quite easy to stick to a healthy diet, whether you're gluten-free or not. If you plan your meals with vegetables and good quality meats or fish, when or if you crave sweets or candy, remember to make the thin mints. We've talked about that in previous radio shows, and you can find the recipe and a video on how to make the thin mints on our blog at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, what about the fat-free label? Don't we want fat-free foods so that we can avoid heart disease? It sounds right. Eat fat, clog your arteries, and get heart disease. So to not get heart disease, you should eat low-fat, right? Wrong. It's been <laughs> known for quite some time now that eating fat not only does not give you heart disease, but it also does not make you fat. Fat. Now, that was a lot of negatives in there, double negatives. So essentially, I'll just turn that around and say that eating fat <laughs> um, is, is not what makes you get fat. I know. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're thinking about all those calories and fat, right? Yes, but did you know that a calorie is not just a calorie? It's not just calories in and calories out. What matters is what you're eating. Yes, absolutely. Eating damaged inflammatory fats will lead towards heart disease and also obesity. We're talking about eating good, healthy, beneficial fats, such as olive oil and coconut oil and pasture butter. There are other good fats, too, such as avocado and sesame oil and others. 
Even the cholesterol in eggs is good for you, so don't throw out those yolks. So, Lucy, when you're making some sort of a meal plan, how do you work the fats into that? We talked about if you're eating gluten-free or even, you know, you're just trying to really clean up your diet. We mentioned eating good sources of protein, and we mentioned lots and lots of vegetables, limited amounts of fruits, and then some nuts and seeds. Where do these kind of fats fit in with that? Well, let's take lunch for an example. So instead of having something like a sandwich, you could have a salad. That's going to provide you with lots of good vegetables and then put some protein on there like a chicken breast or some eggs. And then the fat, that's pretty easy for a salad, olive oil. So instead of going for those dressings that are labeled fat-free or healthy or most all dressings in the store aren't going to be good for you, Put on plain olive oil, add some Himalayan salt and some pepper, fresh or dried basil. My go-to is always the Italian seasonings and the cayenne pepper. And then what about, could you add some avocado for fat? Yep, that would add some more. You could add olives. Walnuts. Yep, walnuts. Um, And then if you have the eggs on there, you could put some eggs, maybe one egg, and then two ounces of chicken for some good protein, and then the eggs have that good cholesterol in the yolks. So this is really different because we've all heard that eating low fat is good for weight loss and for heart disease. So for instance, if you go into your doctor and get some blood tests done and then they say, oh, well, you have high cholesterol and, you know, now you have, you're, you're pointing towards heart disease. We think that you should go on a diet that has low fat in it. And so you go to the store and buy all the low fat foods, the low fat salad dressing. Now th- this is something that we've been told over maybe the last 30 or so years. So this is really something different for us to focus on. You know, we've been told maybe eat one egg three times a week. Now, information out there has been changing on that, but it seems a little bit slow that, that we, we still find people are kind of afraid to eat enough fat because mm-hmm. they think that they're going to get heart disease or they think that they're actually just going to get fat. But there's so much evidence now that shows that's absolutely not true and it's actually the opposite in that eating these good fats is very, very anti-inflammatory for people and it actually helps you to prevent the problem of heart disease when you're eating good fats. But we have to emphasize that we really are talking about good fats and not these damaged ones or hydrogenated fats. And what I mean by damaged is put this oil in the pan and you're heating it up and frying foods at super high temperatures and it's smoking all over the place. That would be an example of taking maybe a perfectly good fat and overheating it and now it's rancid and it's damaged. Or another example would be maybe buying something like uh, some great almond oil or walnut oil and you leave it out on your counter and after just really a couple weeks, all of a sudden that's rancid, but you're not aware of it and you keep using it. Those would be examples of eating damaged fats where you'd go, that's now creating an inflammatory response in your body and that's what ends up leading towards heart disease is the inflammation that's caused from the damaged fats, but also from from eating too much sugar in your diet. So remember that heart disease, it has its origins in inflammation and that these egg yolks, olive oil, and other good healthy fats do not cause inflammation. 
And in fact, they're highly anti-inflammatory. And it's the diet that's high in the sugar and the carbs that causes this inflammation, which leads to heart disease. And it's that chronically high blood sugar and high insulin levels that result in the inflammation. So if you want to avoid heart disease, the first place to start is getting your insulin and blood glucose levels down by eliminating the sugar and excess carbs. That would be the pasta and bread and cookies and cereal. Even cereal that doesn't seem sugary, it all turns into sugar once it's digested. You know, Lucy, that's a really good point because in our classes when we bring up cereal, sometimes people think if they're eating those healthy cereals like Kashi or mm-hmm. maybe Wheaties, those ones that don't taste sugary, and they say this is whole grain and on the box it says that this has been approved by the American Heart Association and this is heart healthy food it says that on a lot of different cereal boxes and it tricks you into thinking that that's true and when we're here to tell you that by eating cereal that that is actually not a heart healthy food because the cereal is pretty much 100% carbohydrates that's processed by your body into sugar and most people don't just eat maybe a teaspoon or tablespoon of the cereal you're eating at least a half a cup or a cup and most people eat a whole lot more than that and that's dumping quite a big sugar load into your body raising your blood sugar raising your insulin level and it actually creates that inflammatory response so you can see that by reading these labels on cereals just just look in the grocery store next time the ones that say that it's heart healthy that that's that's really tricking you that's absolutely not true at all that cereal would be a heart healthy food right mm-hmm. lucy that's right, and you'll see more and more cereals that say gluten-free. So going back to that label, and same thing, a lot of those ones are actually even going to turn into more blood sugar in your bloodstream. So once again, focus on a diet of good proteins, such as meat and eggs, and lots and lots of vegetables in all other colors, all different colors. Limited fruits with a focus on berries, and then nuts and seeds. Absolutely. So let's just get back again to those labels. When you see a product that's labeled low fat, put it back on the shelf. Don't buy it. Low fat labels are found on salad dressings, condiments like ketchup, low fat dairy foods, Low-fat chips, low-fat cookies, low-fat muffins, these are all highly processed foods that are high in sugar and high in carbs. And it's just about time for a break here. And we'd just like to remind you that we're taking callers. We would love it if you call in with your experience buying something that you thought was healthy for you, and then you find out that it's not. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Take charge of your fitness and take charge of your healthy life. Listen for Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. Think back over the past week, the past month, the past years. Are you like a lot of other people? Too busy with the kids, work, travel, social calendars, business calendars, the day, the night, this and that. Make the decision to be healthier. Just do it. 
Chad Austin has made a living from motivating people to stop excuses and make fitness a priority in their lives. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine, navigating the cancer maze with host Grace Goller. We'll help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon, U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach Lucy Hewitt or her expert guests, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy here with Jeannie. And before the break, we were discussing different food labels and how we start to move to a more unprocessed food diet, eating on real whole foods. Now, it looks like we have a caller, Andy. Andy, what questions do you have? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I actually wanted to call in with an experience that I've had just recently. Oh, and great. I just wanted to chat with you guys about it. Great. Yes. What is it? Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to eat healthy and take care of myself and, and be more cognizant of the labels when I read them. And I have been buying hummus, um, which I always feel like is maybe a good choice for me. And the label on the hummus says it's gluten-free. So I thought, well, that's great. You know what? I'm going to eat this hummus. It's gluten-free. It's better for me. And I eat it with raw veggies in an effort to keep that going. And then I look on the label, and it's filled with so many um, just things I can't even... um, you know, talk about, I can't even like mm-hmm. say them. They're so complicated to say. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm not eating something that's good for me. It might be gluten-free, maybe, but there's so, there's more harm in here than there is good. Now, Andy, do you recall what any of those ingredients are? Do you have the package with you? You know, I don't have the package with me, but I'm telling you that the ingredients were so complicated, I couldn't even read half of them. Now, I know there's olive oil in there, and there were chickpeas in there. Um, but beyond that, you know, natural flavorings, I remember, you know, mm-hmm. which probably 
who knows what natural flavorings mean, Oh, exactly. Right? We're going to be talking about nat- the word natural flavorings later on in the show, but, oh. yep, that's going to be a big red flag when you see that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, you guys were talking about all these food labels, and it just, like, totally triggered something in my mind about that hummus. So, yeah, okay. it is It is tricky because you, you see a label on the front and you think it's good for you, but then now we all know we actually t- want to turn it around and look at the ingredients. Now, right. Angie, well, I'm, I'm curious. Um, once you saw that label and all those ingredients, what did you do with the hummus? Did you, did you give it to your, did you give it to your neighbors or did well, you finish I'll it or what did you do with it? I'm giving it to the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to oh, give it good to the garbage job. as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and make an effort to see because I do like hummus and see if I can't make my own hummus with ingredients that I know I'm putting in um, to the recipe. That's a great solution because hummus should be a pretty simple food, right? You had mentioned the olive oil and the chickpeas, and you really shouldn't have to add all of that other stuff to it. So um, congratulations to you for coming up with such a great solution. Well, thank you, and thank you, and I really enjoy listening to your show. I've been learning a ton. (laughs) Oh, well, great. Well, thank you so much for the call, Andy. You're welcome, and have a great day, you guys. Okay, you too. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Well, as we move on in our segment today, let's take and travel to the meat department. And here we'll start with beef. We actually recommend people do eat beef. Yes, red meat. And the important thing here, though, is to choose the right kind of beef. Now, maybe you've heard that you should cut back on red meat, that red meat's actually not good for you. And why do you think that is? Do you get heart disease from red meat? Does it raise your cholesterol? Well, it all depends on the type of beef you choose. 95% of the available beef comes from feedlot, factory farmed beef. This would be the kind of beef you we would tell you to completely avoid. So yes, it is bad for your health and it's also bad for the environment. Unfortunately, it's this kind of beef that's given it all a bad rap. Feedlot or factory farmed beef contains a completely different fat composition than cattle raised on grass or pasture. Mm-hmm. And Lucy, it looks like we have Ariel on the phone. Do you, Great. Can you bring Hi, Ariel. Ariel. Come on Hi. in. What can you share today? Yes, I've been listening to your program and I'm quite shocked. My uh, grandson um, was told not to eat gluten or dairy. And I've been shopping and getting um, um, gluten-free pop, uh, Pop-Tarts and, sure. and, and all kinds of stuff. And I'm thinking, this is not a good idea. So, yes, exactly. So is that what you're learning from the show today, that those kind of things like gluten-free Pop-Tarts would not be something healthy for somebody, even though they're labeled gluten-free? Is that that and sounds like that's, yeah, that's yeah, hitting home to you. You're right, mm-hmm. I did read the in- ingredients just to eliminate um, gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm. But now I do remember it was potato starch and all these other things that I couldn't even say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now so- you're learning in the show that these things are still Pop-Tarts and they might have gluten-free ingredients, but they probably still have sugar, right? And they have... Mm-hmm. So where could I be pointed? Would I just make him some of the cookies for his lunch? Or That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, the Thin Mints or a smoothie for breakfast for him. Would he oh, eat I that? Think, I thought I heard you say make him some cookies. 
I was thinking for for his um, for his lunch or for um, you know treats because yeah we, yeah. Feel- yeah, we Ariel, we would really recommend that not giving the children any sort of cookies or candy or any of that, even if it doesn't have gluten in it, that you're really doing a disservice to children when you're giving them those sugar-filled foods. And instead, maybe focus on a lot of other foods that we've been talking about, good sources of protein okay. and vegetables and some fruits, nuts, and seeds. And I know that when you're working with children, that might sound, that's completely daunting to go from a processed food diet over to a whole foods diet, but we've worked with many, many, many parents that have been able to do this. And the first place to start is with the child's breakfast. If you can give them some eggs cooked in some coconut oil, or even sometimes kids love eating just a spoonful of coconut oil, and this is very, very beneficial for their brains. And we suggest you start with that and see see how the child responds. And in our experience, children actually really go for that they they instantly feel better they can think better their moods are better they feel different and they they start to move towards those foods if you can start to get the cereal and any of this out of their breakfast they'll have a different experience if they're going to school or if they're going to daycare and they're going to start to actually ask for these type of foods is that something that you think you can introduce to this child I think some, you know, some organic fruit. I mean, it would still be a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some fruit. And, and if you're giving them a treat like that, be sure that along with that, that you give the child some seeds or some nuts or maybe some nut butter, something that has some fat and protein. Some cold chicken is something that kids will often eat. But try not to just give them only fruit, which is just going to turn into sugar again. Oh, thank you. Thank well, you. thank, thank you so much funny. for calling in, Ariel. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's just return to our discussion about, we were talking about beef and about the pros and cons about eating beef. And Lucy was telling us that what really matters is the type of beef that you purchase and the type of beef that you eat. And let's just back up a little bit and discuss what we mean by factory farmed beef and how this could make much of a difference at all. Yes, factory farmed means the cattle are fed corn rather than grass. They're fed corn because corn fattens up the animals quickly. Unfortunately, cattle are in the ruminant family of animals. They're not meant to eat corn. Corn irritates and ulcerates their stomachs. And then the cattle's the cattle become infected and bloated, so they're needed to be given large quantities of antibiotics. Did you know that 84% of all antibiotics used in the U.S. are used in livestock? Mm-hmm. And so what that means is so many of our antibiotics here in this country go right into the livestock, and then when you eat that meat, you're getting those antibiotic residues. Um, additionally, these cattle are kept in extremely tight quarters. Sometimes they can't move at all. Some farms have over 10,000 head of cattle. And what this means is poop and excrement are everywhere. The cattle stand in it and it gets all over their bodies. That excess poop pollutes the land and it flows into nearby streams and bodies of water, which further pollutes our environment. Furthermore, this poop contains antibiotic residues that are now in our water supply. 
Yes, and not only in the water supply, but the antibiotic residues are now in the soil. Plants can take up these residues, and then you get antibiotics in the plants. And this excess excrement causes big trouble when the cattle go to slaughter. They're more likely to be infected now because of the poop on their bodies, and now you can easily find E. coli in the meat. So let's go back to what the cattle are fed. The corn fed to the cattle results in a type of fat on the animal that is inflammatory. And not only that, but the animal was fed GMO corn, which now you are getting when you eat that type of of beef. And GMO just stands for genetically modified organism, and it's something that was done to a variety of our crops and most notably corn. And this GMO corn was designed to be able to grow even when large amounts of the pesticide called Roundup, or another name for it is glyphosate, is sprayed on the corn. And so I'm just going to back up. What happened is that um, people decided to take the corn DNA and change it so that when you put that pesticide on, if you put the pesticide normally on just regular corn, it wouldn't be able to withstand that. So they changed the DNA in the corn so that they could put large quantities of this Roundup or glyphosate on the corn and it wouldn't harm it. Now, the use of Roundup has doubled in recent years because of this particular genetic modification. And so what this means is that now the Roundup or the glyphosate is now in the cattle because they eat the corn. And next, the glyphosate is in you when you eat the meat. One big problem with glyphosate in humans is that it inhibits an important liver enzyme called the cytochrome P450, which helps you with detoxification. So I'll just back up here. So if you eat this type of cattle that's been eating this corn, and the corn has the glyphosate on it, now the glyphosate is in you, and that just translates into now your liver doesn't work as well in its job of detoxification. That means that your ability to deactivate toxins through your liver becomes inhibited, and you end up with more toxins in your system. Now, another problem with the GMO corn is that the corn now has its own pesticide that alters and kills certain bacteria. That's a different genetic modification that was done to corn. It's also done to soy. So I'm just going to repeat that. It's been genetically modified so that that corn can alter and kill certain bacteria. You, as a person, as a human being, you have a whole symphony of bacteria and other microorganisms inside of your gut. This GMO corn with the bacteria-killing properties wreaks havoc on your intestinal bacteria, creating numerous health problems resulting from now you have gut flora imbalance. This type of genetically modified corn has also been found to create an immune response associated with allergies and infections in mice that were fed this corn. So the main point here is to avoid eating factory farmed beef for these reasons. So these are reasons you might want to note and write down because the the reasons are important and the reasons are numerous. One, the corn that the cattle was fed, it makes the cattle sick. The cattle are now given antibiotics because they're sick, because because of the stomach. The stomach starts to ulcerate when the cattle eat the eat the corn. 
okay, but there's another reason that they're given antibiotics. That's because they're in the crowded conditions. And they're crowded and they get sick easier. Now, the corn that they've been eating, it's genetically modified to have genes that kill the bacteria, which is now harmful to your own gut bacteria. The corn is also full of the pesticide glyphosate or Roundup, and that inhibits and damages your liver enzymes. There's another reason. The fat on the cattle is now different since the cattle were given corn to eat, and that fat is inflammatory now, and it leads to poor health in you. And lastly, factory farming seriously destroys our environment by dumping large amounts of cattle excrement that contain antibiotics and pesticides into our water system and into our land. Wow. So why would we recommend eating beef? Well, certainly not this beef. Avoid this kind of beef completely. We recommend eating beef that has been 100% grass-fed. Here's what happens with these animals. They're raised on a much smaller farm, so they have a lot of room to move around. That just eliminates the excessive cattle excrement problem. And it also eliminates the crowding where they can get sick from each other much more easily. Also, the cattle eat a variety of grasses and greens such as alfalfa, brome, and clover. And in the winter, they eat hay, which is dried versions of these grasses. The farmers on grass-fed farms put a lot of attention on the greens that they grow for these cattle. They test the greens and the soil for minerals to assure good nutrition for the animals. And they plant the correct types of greens. They make sure there's the right greens that the animal wants to be eating. The cattle are put out to graze. So they're outside, in the grass, in the sunshine, in the fresh air. They poop in the fields. Then the next day, the cattle are rotated. The next day, they're moved to a fresh new site where the land hasn't been touched for for a while, depending on how many pastures they have. This results in the land never becoming burdened with excess poop. Then chickens are put out to run around the previous fields the cattle were in. The chickens run around and they scratch in the poop and they eat the bugs Chickens are meant to be eating bugs. They're meat eaters, and that's where they get them, right in the poop of the cattle. (laughs) And that also helps to fertilize the grass, support the grass there, and then next time the cattle come around, the grass is ready to be eaten again. And the cattle don't get sick because they're not crowded, and they're not given food that ulcerates their stomach. These cattle farmers have no need for antibiotics, no need for pesticides, and they do not use GMO corn. The land is preserved. No environmental polluting occurs, and you have humanely treated, clean, healthy animals. Since these cattle are eating grass and greens, their meat and fat contains two hard-to-find nutrients that make a huge difference in your health. Let's talk about those nutrients after our break. So remember, we're taking callers. The number is one 866 472 5791. We want to hear your experience with these packaged foods and reading labels. We'll see you soon.
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Ready for in-your-face, smash-mouth talk? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune into Anything Goes featuring Ike Mega Griffin. He's got the facts to back up the talk and invites you to join him every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, just before the weekend on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Mega tells it like it is. Make the most of your beautiful life. Listen to Ageless Living with Dr. Tong Lee and co-host Kurt Wilhelm to gain tips on how to live healthier and happier, alleviate suffering, prevent disease, become more beautiful in body, mind, and fashion, and find peace, balance, and success in your life. Are you aware that every 3,500 calories that you eat above what you burn will put a pound of fat on your body? And running one mile only burns 200 calories? So portion size does matter. And migraines do have a cure. What is it? You'll have to tune in Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach Lucy Hewitt or her expert guests, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk. I'm Lucy here with Jeannie. Before the break, we were talking about beef and what the difference between 100% grass-fed beef was and corn-fed beef. There are two nutrients that are hard to find that are actually present in this 100% grass-fed beef. Jeannie, what are these? Yeah, exactly. If we just back up a little bit, we were talking about just the process of what the grass-fed beef farmers are going through and what the benefit, the health benefits are. And so the first nutrient that you find in grass-fed beef would be called CLA, or conjugated linoleic acid. This is something that is in the category of omega-6 fatty acids and it's found in the fat of grass-fed beef and also pasture butter and it's not found very many other places. Grass-fed animals produce between 300 and 500 percent more CLA than corn-fed animals. And CLA reduces inflammation so it's anti-inflammatory and CLA reduces triglycerides and reduces excess cholesterol. Remember, anything that reduces inflammation helps to reduce excessive cholesterol because ex- excess cholesterol is produced as a response to that inflammation. 
The CLA also helps to increase your metabolic rate, enhances muscle growth, and boosts your immune system. You can see many health benefits to CLA that many people actually take a CLA supplement. Here, you now know that you can also get it by eating grass-fed beef. Another nutrient found in grass-fed beef is vitamin K2. You may have heard of vitamin K1. It's a fat-soluble vitamin that's involved in blood clotting. That would be K1. And we get plenty of vitamin K1 when we eat greens. So K1 is not usually a problem for humans. Now, vitamin K2 is completely different, so different that it should almost be called a completely different name. Vitamin K2 is responsible for ushering calcium into your bones where it belongs. Now, this would be the calcium that you get in your food, but also calcium that you might be taking as a supplement. It's easy for humans to be deficient in vitamin K2. If you're deficient, and especially if you're also deficient in vitamin D, The calcium that you ingest gets deposited into your arteries and even your kidneys rather than your bones. And this can contribute to calcified arteries leading to heart disease and to kidney stones. It's the combination of the fat-soluble vitamins. The fat-soluble ones are the vitamin K2, vitamin D, vitamin A, and vitamin E that help prevent this inappropriate calcification. So I'm just going to quickly review that again. If you're taking some calcium supplements and that's all you're doing, you just go, I'm taking 1,200 milligrams of calcium because I don't want to get osteoporosis, that calcium is likely to be deposited not in your bones. It's likely to be deposited in your arteries and possibly in kidneys, leading to kidney stones. It's a vitamin K along with these other fat-soluble vitamins that helps you to deposit that calcium in your, vo- in your bones. So the reason the grass-fed beef contains the vitamin K2 is because the cattle eat the grasses and greens that contain vitamin K1. Their bodies have the ability to convert vitamin K1 to vitamin K2. People can't make that conversion. In fact, many of the plants that grow on earth cannot be directly used by humans as food. What this means is that the cattle can convert the highly nutritious vegetation that they eat into proteins and into other nutrients because the cattle can actually digest this vegetation that humans cannot. The animal then concentrates these nutrients into its meat and fat. And when you eat these meats, you're getting a concentrated source of plant nutrients. Because the cattle have the ability to convert these plants and residues into high-quality protein in the form of meat and milk, grass-fed beef is a good source of vitamin K2. This helps prevent the calcification and the heart disease. Factory farm beef contains none of this. So you see that it doesn't make sense to tell people not to eat beef at all. What matters is the source of the meat. Your question would be, what was the animal eating and how was it living? It makes the difference between eating a highly inflammatory food with a lack of nutrients versus eating a food that is anti-inflammatory and life and health promoting. Now, let's get real practical and talk about how to shop for beef. 
When you're shopping, look for the label that says 100% grass-fed beef. Be sure it says 100% grass-fed. You want beef that has been fed grass for its whole life and not finished off with corn, which is actually very common and popular in the stores. If the label simply states grass-fed but does not say 100% grass-fed, it means the cattle were given corn in the last few months to fatten it up. Avoid this beef. Just three weeks of eating corn can completely change the fat makeup of the animal, and now you don't get the CLA or the vitamin K2. If you're at the butcher looking at the counter and there's no label, ask the butcher. But beware that they may not even know the answer. Find a butcher or a meat market where the staff is aware of grass-fed and also knows the source of the meat. They should know not only what farm the meat comes from, but they should know what the animals were eating and how they were raised. Here in Minneapolis, we have a Wisconsin farmer, and their farm is called Richer Family Farm. Richer is their last name. And this this family farm raises grass-fed beef and pasture chickens. And the farmer delivers this meat once a month to the Twin Cities at various drop-off sites. And our studio just happens to be one of these sites. But there's about five or six different sites in the Twin Cities where they drop off. We place our orders in advance, and we have a freezer full of this healthy meat available and convenient to cook. And it makes eating healthy simple when the food is readily available at all times. Now, we visited this farm to see how the animals are raised and treated. It's a really small farm, family farm, and you see a lot of space and land for the animals. And we encourage you to find this sort of arrangement where you live. These farmers are out there providing this wonderful food and being stewards of the land. We encourage you to become involved and support their farms while you have a great source of healthy foods for you and your family. And this is how we can all make a difference in our food supply. Now, yes, you might be thinking this meat is more expensive, and some of it is more expensive. But we can assure you this extra expense now will greatly pay off in your health. You either pay now or you pay later with poor health. Now let's change the topic and talk about chickens. We've already learned that chickens should be spending a big part of their time running around outdoors eating bugs, just like the cattle do. The key here is that they move and that they're outdoors getting at least some sunshine. The movement and sunshine changes the composition of their meat and fat. By eating insects and pecking at the soil, chickens get a lot of necessary minerals and protein. And chickens are omnivores. They are meant to eat both meat and plants. Now, chickens are actually able to soak the grains that they eat, making the grains more digestible and nutritious. Now, the key here is to be sure to find a farmer who is using organic and non-GMO feed for the chickens. GMO corn is becoming increasingly more common, so you want to ask if they're using the non-GMO corn. The labeling for chickens can get tricky. When looking at packaging, you might see the words like free-range, vegetarian-fed, natural, or Amish-raised. We want free-range chickens, but the legal definition of free-range is that the chickens have access to the outdoors. 
So pretty vague definition there. That could mean that there's a little door on one side of the barn that's open for only 15 minutes a day. And the problem here is that most of these chickens in the barn are packed in. The barns are so enormous and large that most all of the chickens do not have access to this door. The other problem is that, what, five, ten minutes, whatever access to the outdoors means to that farmer probably is not enough time to run outdoors. The problem here is that the chickens are overcrowded indoors. They have no sunlight, no exercise. They're not eating bugs, which is an important part of their diet. So, but the label says free-range chicken. So what do you do? You find a good source of chickens. We mentioned Richer Family Farm in Wisconsin where we get our meat. You can likely find a farm in your area. Go see it and meet the farmers. If you have children, take them to the farm to learn where their food comes from. Uh-huh. And in the meantime, if you haven't connected with a farm, find a good meat market or maybe your local food co-op and ask the source of the chickens. Ask what the chickens ate and ask if they spend most of their time outdoors. Yes, that's really the only way you'll know the quality of your chickens. You can't count on the labeling of chickens being accurate or useful. Now, if the label says vegetarian fed, you know that chicken wasn't eating bugs, and that's not a good thing, so avoid that chicken. The same thing goes for purchasing eggs. You'll see labeling that says free range, but now you know that that doesn't mean anything. Eggs might be labeled cage-free. Cage-free simply means the chickens aren't kept in cages, but they could be crowded into a big open barn, still not able to move around adequately, and they're not getting outdoors. And the term organic will usually mean that the chickens, and therefore the eggs, were fed organic feed. Organic is a good thing for feed, but it doesn't tell us that the chickens were allowed outdoors to eat bugs and peck at the grass. Organic should also mean that the feed is non-GMO, which would be a good thing. So we want to know where our meat and eggs come from. Why not just buy the meat labeled family farm or Amish farm? They must raise their animals well, right? Well, believe it or not, farms that raise Tens of thousands of chickens packed in barns can describe themselves as small family farms. Small family farm. Doesn't that just conjure conjure up a nice, wholesome image of animals prancing out in the pasture? Yes, it, it does really sound nice, but it's not necessarily true. Amish farms might not be the best choice either. Amish farmers, just like many farmers these days, might not have access to non-GMO feed anymore. Their only choice is to feed their chickens the genetically modified grains. Mm -hmm. And so the bottom line here is that you'll need to spend a bit of time searching out a good source for chicken and eggs. And once you find a good source, be sure and tell other people. Now it's time to start to wrap up our show for today. And we're going to just review quickly what we've learned in our segments. We've learned that gluten-free bakery foods and crackers are actually not healthy for you. If you go gluten-free, build your diet around good sources of protein, lots of veggies, some fruits, nuts, and seeds. 
buy and eat beef that's 100% grass-fed, buy and eat chicken raised outdoors, moving around, eating bugs and organic non-GMO grains, the same with the eggs that you choose. The best is to hook up with a local farmer and get to know how they raise and feed their livestock. Lucy, it's time to wrap up. Be sure to check out our blog at mybodybalancenutrition.com where you'll find lots of more good health and nutrition info and recipes. I'm Lucy along with Jeannie, and that's our show. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Lucy Hewitt for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead.